All right. Well, last week, last week I started by, by saying that uh, um, my message would be a little less structured than usual, and, uh, and I, I got, I don't know, maybe, maybe halfway through at the most, the content that, that, uh, that I had. So today is part two, and it's not going to be any more structured than it was last week, but uh, I really believe that over the last few weeks, the Lord has been speaking to us. Um, we had a, a week of prayer um, back in... Uh, starting the 14th of January, and we ended that week with, uh, we had a special weekend of, uh, we had a team in, and, and uh, they not only came um, and, and led worship, uh, we had a worship event on Saturday night, and then Sunday they ministered as well, but they brought with them uh, a team of prophetic intercessors, and I know that that might sound like like gobbledygook, but Prophetic, when we talk about prophetic, we're talking about God speaking his heart to his people, right? Um, it, do, it doesn't need to be weird or spooky. It's, it's God speaking his heart to his people. And when we talk about intercessors, we talk about people who, who, who pray at a, at a whole other level that... that Helps that's kind of at the, the, you know, like those those icebreakers that that break the way so that other, other ships can go right. It's kind of like at the front, kind of breaking, breaking the way. Um, for God's people, and uh, and so, there were a lot of prophetic words. That were shared and spoken over that weekend and over over throughout our our week of prayer. And I want you to understand up front, um, you know, we've got some, some guests in the room, and I just, I just want to be clear this morning. I didn't plan to say this, but I just felt I need to, I need to clarify this. Um, that, that we believe, first of all, that, um, that God still speaks to His people today. That He still speaks... Um, his prophetic, the heart of God for a situation or for a community or for, he still speaks today. And he uses his people to speak. And that's, that's in the Bible, that in the New Testament, it's all over the New Testament. There's the gift of prophecy, the ability to hear what God is saying and to speak it out, speak it into a situation or speak it to God's people. Um, but we also want to be very careful to never allow prophecy or prophetic words to supersede, to become more important than the Scriptures. This is God's timeless word, the revelation to us of who He is, of His character, of His nature, of His heart. And, if, and, and we are told in 
in the New Testament that when prophetic words come, that we are to test them and weigh them. What do we, how do we do that? We weigh them against God's word. This always has authority over anything that we feel God has been saying to the body. If, God, if, if we ever feel like God is saying something that shows a different character than what we see revealed in Christ and what we see revealed in his word, then we have to, we have to, eh, nope, right? That's not from God because it's not in alignment with his character, right? So I just felt it was important as we were talking about prophetic words that we feel that God has been saying to us, it's important to say, to, to just talk about where that fits and how we understand how God speaks to us. But oftentimes, God will take, he will take his word, and, and some, most of you have experienced this in your own lives, where you've read a passage, you know, maybe 40 times in your life, but this day, in this moment, in this situation, when you're walking through this thing, you read that thing and it jumps off the page and comes alive to you. And God says something to you in that moment that is for now. It's, it's, it takes the, the word and makes it alive to us, right? And that's, that's kind of what pr- prophecy is all about, is taking the heart, the word, the things of God, and speaking into our situation right now so that, so that we hear what we need to hear for this moment, right? You with me? Again, this week, as we, as we begin, I, I want to uh, just remind us of our mission statement. We exist to exalt God in everything, so to prioritize the presence of God, to prioritize bringing Him glory. He is the most, He is what this is all about. If it ever becomes about anyone else, we're in trouble, right? It it ought never to become about, you know, a, a pastor or a board or a group in the church or any one individual this is all about Jesus, period, right? So we exist to exalt God in everything, to engage people with the gospel, to equip people as followers of Christ, and to empower everyone for ministry, right? So in, in the name of Jesus and in the, in the power and authority of Jesus, we are called to reach people who don't yet know how good God is. Help them come into the family of God by by way of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, right? To equip them, to to pour into their lives. We we use this word, disciple them. It's a Bible word, right? To help them become students of Jesus, and then see them empowered and launched. So to see, to see pagans become missionaries. Right? To see lost people become found and be sent. 
right? That's, that's what we exist for. At least that's what, that's what we say we exist for. It's what we want to exist for. How many know sometimes we get sidetracked, right? And the stuff we do becomes about something else, and we got to get God, Jesus needs to bring us back on track. He wrote letters to seven churches in the book of Revelation because every one of them had gotten off track somehow, and he had to say, hey, pay attention to this. You need to get back on track, right? I said last week, so that's, that's good, thank you. Um, I said last week, everything we do should flow out of, as followers of Jesus, as a church, and as, as individuals as well, that the things that we do for God, the things that we do, should flow out of our relationship with the Father. It starts there. It starts with our relationship, our walk with Him. We said that God is not looking for slaves to do His work. He's looking for sons and daughters to know His heart. The work we do flows out of that. Flows out of sons and daughters knowing the heart of the Father. Walking with Him. Jesus did not come to earth to live and die and rise again to get you into heaven. Some of you have heard me say this before. Is, is heaven the end result of all the things that he did for us and all the things that he does in us? Yes. But Jesus did not come to earth, live, die, and rise again to get you into heaven. But he did all that to get heaven into you. He did all that to reconcile you with the Father. You and I were made for intimacy with God. That is the reason God made humans. To know Him, to walk with Him, to be His friends, to be His children, to, to live and walk in intimacy with, to have intimate fellowship with God. When God created Adam, the Bible says that He formed His body and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. How intimate is that? How close do you have to get to breathe into someone's nostrils? Why don't you try it? Just turn to your neighbor. Maybe not. You probably had garlic last night and they can still smell it, right? That's a pretty intimate thing. You don't just walk up to a stranger and breathe into their nostrils, right? But God started our life and our existence with intimacy. 
And Adam actually was so walking in intimacy with God that God's glory was his clothed clothing. And he did not know he was naked until he was disconnected by his sin from the glory of God. We were made for intimacy with the Father. But the intimacy was broken and Jesus came to restore our intimacy with our Creator, right? Colossians chapter 1 says, For God was pleased to have all of His fullness dwell in Him, in Christ, and through Him to reconcile to Himself All things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish, Free from accusation. Wow. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. God was in Christ reconciling us to the Father, taking away what separated us. So that His glory would clothe us once again. Now, it doesn't mean we walk around naked. Just, uh, just, you know, that's not a good idea. But, but that His glory would once again be upon the lives of His children. In fact, there's a passage in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that compares what we carry as followers of Jesus to what Moses carried and says that what we carry is far superior to what Moses carried. Wow. Because Jesus reconciled us to the Father, but then He put His Spirit in us. You don't get, you can't get more intimate than that. He put His Spirit in us. Right? But we have a choice to nurture that relationship with the Spirit inside of us or not. We have a choice in our level of intimacy with God. We have a choice. 
There is nothing now separating you from God from his side. So if there are things separating you from God, then you've, you've got some junk in the way that maybe needs to be moved. Right? And he'd love to help you with that. But, but we have... We have some choices that will, that will determine the level of intimacy that we walk in with the Spirit of God in our lives. Galatians, Galatians 5. Starting in verse 13 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Right? That, that part of us that always wants that, always wants to pull us back down into the muck, right? As long as we're as long as we're kicking around on this planet on this side of eternity. That flesh is always there to deal with, right? Um, but there is victory. There is victory that we can walk in over. So do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, because the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Right? So there's this tug of war happens inside of us and we we can choose whether we want to nurture the life of the spirit of God inside of us or whether we want to nurture the flesh and those decisions will determine the level of intimacy that we walk in with God Jesus didn't save us for us to walk around on earth living miserable, carrying around offenses and wounds all of our life. He didn't mean for us to be bitter or fearful or angry and just survive, just get through this life until he comes. I mean, if that's where you're at, it's okay to not be okay. But God doesn't want you left there. doesn't want you to stay there. Right? He meant for us to live free. He meant for us to know joy and peace in His presence. 
He meant for us to have an abundant kind of life. Right? John 10.10 says the, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come, said Jesus, that you might have life and have it abundantly. And he wasn't talking about um, you know, big bank accounts and fancy cars and fancy houses. He's talking about something on the inside of us. Right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have abundant life. So if we were to take stock right now, each one of us, where are you at? Do you, are you more like somebody that just got mugged? The thief showed up, stole, beat you up, left you in a pile? Or are you more like somebody who's living in victory and hope and joy? Right? I don't ask the question to judge anybody. It's just there's an invitation to something more. Right? And if your walk has become empty and stale, then it's time to draw near again. That's our theme last week and this week. It's time to draw near again. It's time to surrender those things that have burdened you down, to give them to Jesus and run to Him for a fresh touch of His presence. You know, that's, that's not just true of us as individuals. But these principles can be and are true of, of churches, of, of us collectively as a family, corporately. We need to be aware of the things that have burdened us, the things that have, have allowed us to crowd out the presence and power of God. Because he has abundant things in store for evangel. One of the, one of the words that was shared with us a couple weeks ago was pretty simple, but profound. Said, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, you have seen the best you can do in your own strength. Are you ready to see what I can do? That's worth reading again. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, you have seen the best you can do in your own strength. Are you ready to see what I can do? So yes, we, we, need, we need to organize, we need to prepare, we need to do those things, right? They're important. We need to work, but it's not our work or our organization or our preparation 
that will ever change a life or ever change circumstances. But it is the anointing of God, the power of His presence, stepping into the room that will change things. God's God's love for you never changes, right? God has the volume button on his love at 100 all the time towards you. He doesn't ever mute it. He doesn't ever turn it down. His love is 100 all the time. Now, now let me say, There is no one who ever went to hell for whom God's love wasn't turned up 100% towards them. We have a part and a responsibility in responding to His love that will change everything. God's love is 100% towards you all the time. It is unconditional. That day last week when you blew it, God did not mute His love towards you. Right? But I really believe that the level, the level of anointing that we are able to walk in is directly proportional to the level of our intimacy with God. The level of anointing as followers of Christ that we are able to walk in is directly proportional to the level of our intimacy with God. It's available to us always. 1 John chapter 2 says you have an, an anointing that abides. God doesn't give you anointing and then take it away. You have an anointing that abides. My debit card the tap stopped working this week i just got the thing three months ago new card and the tap stopped working this week yeah <laughs> uh, there's there's a little bit in there there's a little bit in there how many know you can have thousands of dollars in the account but if you can't access it it doesn't help you. God's anointing is in the bank for you. But we access it through our intimacy with Him. And if that's broken, 
then we're doing stuff in our strength instead of his. And man, that's frustrating. It's hard. I don't know about you, but I am tired of working my guts out and barely seeing things move. We can work as hard as we want. But if we're not tapped into the anointing of the Spirit, we're just pushing against a boulder and it's not moving. Right? Jesus said his yoke was easy and his burden was light and he invited us to come and learn a different way from him. Learn a new way of doing this thing. It didn't rely on You know, come on, perform, come on, work harder, come on, do more. But relied on us walking in sweet, intimate fellowship with Jesus and seeing him do things. When he steps in, it all becomes so much easier. I've had some moments this week And I, I, I just uh, just finished a, a, and I'm not saying this to to brag or to point at me. I'm just uh, I yesterday just finished. I made this. This is public information, anyways. But uh, finished a three week fast yesterday. And uh, and just really found that. God um, drew me into a, a place of, of just precious intimacy with Him. That that um, yeah, I you know I think as followers of Jesus we go through seasons, right? Sometimes sometimes we get we get whatever we get doing stuff our way, and we you know we. And then, and then God brings us back on track and, and we, we lean into him and, and, there's, and we know the difference. We know the difference when we're walking intimately with Jesus and when we're just pushing, right? And the, the last week, I've been in a number of meetings and situations where I went into it not having no idea what I could you know, what, what was going to happen or how I was going to accomplish anything for the Lord, but just went in trusting Him. God, you've got to move in this situation. And a number of times, in the middle of that meeting, the presence of God stepped in the room and everything shifted, right? And it's not, it's not, it's not me, that's the point, right? It's not me. 
We're made to live there. Made to live. Jesus wants us to live there. Yeah, we're not getting through all this. So let's, let's land on this. I guess we're doing part three next week. It's okay. It's all right. Um, Zechariah. It's where it's where the uh, it's where we find that passage that says, "Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit," says the Lord. Right. And uh, see, Zechariah, um, he he's he's a priest, he's a prophet that God is speaking through after the exile. Right? So, so God had to discipline Judah, the southern kingdom. There were two kingdoms, Israel and Judah, right? Um, and God disciplined both of them because they had, had rebelled against God, continually gone back into, into idol worship and worshiping other gods. And so God, God dealt with Judah by sending the, the empire, the Babylonian empire in, and they, they destroyed Jerusalem. They carried off huge numbers of, of the uh, people of Judah, Jew, the Jews. And, um, and then God, uh, you know, after a number of, uh, after a few decades, God allowed them to start, going back, right? And they went back, first of all, to go and, um, you know, under, under the leader, leadership of Nehemiah and Ezra and Zerubbabel. It's a great... If you, folks, if you, your kids are, you know, making grandbabies for you, just suggest that name to them. <laughs> Zerubbabel. Um... But under their leadership. And Zerubbabel was a direct descendant of the last king of Judah. He was a direct descendant of David. Zerubbabel was a prince without a throne. There was no kingdom of Judah anymore. It had been destroyed by the Babylonians. And yes, they'd let them go back and resettle but there was no way they were going to let them be a kingdom again, right? And there never was a king again until Jesus showed on the scene. That's a whole other story. And he's the forever king now, right? But Zerubbabel was a prince without a throne. He was sent to do a job, but he did not have in himself the authority and the, the, what he needed to get the job done. And he felt incredibly um, in, insecure and incredibly not up to the task. And so God 
speaks to Zechariah and says, I want you to go to Zerubbabel and give him a message, right? I want you to encourage this prince without a throne. Encourage Zerubbabel. So he gives him a picture. He has a vision. It goes like this. Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up like someone awaking from a sleep. And he asked me, what do you see, Zechariah? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it with seven channels to the lamps. Anybody, you know, are you get, do you know the significance of a lampstand with seven lamps? That is what, that is, it was a gold lampstand in the temple. They were building the temple, right? They're, they're all about all the things that need to go in the temple right now. And God shows Zechariah this, this lampstand with seven lamps on it. The menorah that would stand in the temple. I see a gold, solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one in the right of the bowl and the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked, who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? He answered, do you not know? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel you will become level ground? Then he will bring out the capstone to sh the shouts of God bless it, God bless it. Really quickly, here's, here's, what, we're, here's what Zechariah is seeing. Right? The lamp in the temple, way back when Moses gave instructions on how that was to be built, said that the lamp was never to go out. It was a symbol of God's presence, the flame of God's presence in the midst of the nation. It was to never go out. Right? They were to continually provide oil for this lampstand. Now, there's a lot of work to providing oil from olives, right? You got to harvest, you got to wait for the harvest time to come. You got to harvest the, the olives. You've got to bring them to an olive press. You've got to crush the olives and, you know, extract the oil out. And then you've got to refine and, and uh, purify the oil. And then you bring it and you store it in the temple. And then you've got to take it from the storage room and you've got to put it every every few hours you got to fill up the the bowls and and keep the lamp stand burning but God's message to Zerubbabel is I'm going to I'm going to tap you right into the source right from the olive tree to the lamp. 
you will never run out of my presence, my strength, my glory. It is not by might or by strength, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. And I will continually provide Zerubbabel everything that you need to do what I have called you to do. And you will always have the resources of heaven at your disposal. And not only that, Zerubbabel, but the, the very things that you see as the obstacles in front of you, the mountain. What are you, O mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become a plain. And out of you will come the capstone. In other words, the mountain that Zerubbabel saw as the obstacles, all the things all the challenges, all the difficulties of accomplishing the building of the temple that God wanted him to do, God says, I'm going to use the very things that you think are the obstacles standing in your way, and out of them will come the capstone. Out of them will come the resources. I'm going to flip this thing on its head, and I'm going to, everything that you think is against you, I'm going to use for you to bring about what I've called you to do in all the way along. I'm going to give you the authority and the power that you need to do it. God wants us to live in that kind of intimacy with Him. Plugged in to Him. A lampstand plugged into the olive tree. Not toiling frustratingly to see the things God has called us to do done. But receiving joyfully from Him everything we need because He's provided it. That our level of anointing is directly proportional to our level of intimacy. So this morning, as we close, we're just, again, we're, we're a few minutes. We, we got a couple minutes yet. I'm going to get you to stand. I'm going to ask the team to come. Hey, buddy. Hey, dude. Hey, dude. I don't want yeah, you, need, you need to go back with mommy for a minute, okay? We got to run away. And I want to uh, I want to invite you folks to uh, to take a moment to take take a time if you I mean absolutely in a rush I don't want I don't want to uh, want you to feel captive but take a moment. from him today. So I invite you, I mean, you can, yeah, you can, you can meet with him right where you are.
the act of stepping out and stepping forward, there's something, there's something powerful about actually drawing near, doing something physical to draw near to him. So I invite you to step out from where you are. Find a place up here and just say, Jesus, I need you. I want to walk in a greater level of anointing in my life. I want to cast aside some of the things that I know have robbed me of the intimacy that you want me to have with you. And draw near to him today.
of your spirit upon our lives. Your glory, God, to touch us, to change us. Fill, God, fill our church, fill our family. The wisdom, the strength, and the anointing, the resources we need. God, you've called us to a great calling. We recognize this morning we cannot do it in our strength. God, we don't want to seek your hand, just the stuff you can do for us. But you invite us continually in Scripture to seek your face, Lord. Have you once again lean in close and breathe into our nostrils the breath of life? Fill us with the joy and the strength and the peace and the hope that the victory that you intend for us, God. God, you would speak over our lives. What is that mountain? before my son, before my daughter. It will become a plain. And out of that very challenge, out of that very difficulty, I will bring the thing that brings victory in this situation. We draw near to you, Lord, as we need you. Ah uh -huh. 
thank you that you reign. You are mighty. You are mighty, God.
Jesus.